The Writer Files, a member of the Podglomerate Network. I want to mention a great resource for writers, and this month's sponsor, Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow, a DIY manual for the construction of stories. I'll expound later in the show, but the short version is this long-awaited book about the craft of creative writing from New York Times bestselling author Steve Almond sets out to debunk the well-meaning but misguided myths that hold us back from writing our deepest and most honest work. Pick up a copy today of Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow, wherever you buy books, more soon. Greetings, scribes. I have got some exciting news to share. The Writer Files now has an exclusive Patreon community where subscribers will get exclusive access to uncut ad-free interviews, a writer's happy hour, bonus breakdowns, and content from productivity and publishing experts each month. In the meantime, just head over to patreon.com slash thewriterfiles. It's free to join Patreon to get a preview and you can upgrade anytime. That's patreon.com slash thewriterfiles. Help us start something special. Rainmaker FM. Greetings and welcome back to The Writer Files. I'm your host, Kelton Reed. And in part two of this updated file from early 2016, the prolific international best-selling thriller author and self-publishing advocate Mark Dawson returned to rap with me some more about self-publishing versus traditional publishing and the productivity hacks that have helped him publish over 30 books. Mr. Dawson's multiple thriller series, Self-Publishing Savvy, and an impressive email list of over 100,000 subscribers have all helped him to build a large audience of loyal readers and unparalleled success. In addition to international bestsellers and stellar ratings from fans, Mark has become an indie author advocate and online marketing authority for writers. In part two of this file, Mark and I discuss how an 80s TV show can inspire your writing, why great writers have to understand story first, how to write page-turning fiction, why you should leave out the parts that readers skip, and best practices for new writers. And if you missed the first half of this show, you can find it in the archives on Apple Podcasts or wherever you tune in and in the show notes. Stay tuned. A lot of online publishers and content creators already know that copyblogger.com is one of the best resources out there for rock-solid content strategy and writing advice. But did you know that they also certify content marketers? If you have an exceptional writing voice and want to learn more about Copyblogger's certified content marketer training, check out rainmaker.fm slash certification. That's rainmaker.fm slash certification. And if you're a fan of The Writer Files, please click subscribe to automatically see new interviews as soon as they're published and leave us a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts to help other writers find us. So um, I'd love to just pick your brain a little bit about your creativity, creativity in general. Can you uh, give us your kind of definition of creativity? For me, it's probably, it's, it's, the ability to take something to to ferment an idea in your mind and then to distill that uh, into a medium that you can pass to you know potentially a limitless number of readers uh, so building world building creating characters from from fresh air that are credible uh, that can have conversations i suppose when when creativity is working at, at its best for me there's that i think it's john Cheever who said um writing creatively is is the equivalent of taking a cross-country trip um, when you don't know you haven't got a map. Um, you've got you know your starting point and you know your destination, and all you can see is is 
the, the road that's lit up by your by your headlights, and you just have to kind of pick your way between point A and point B, and, and the, the, that's the journey. That's 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 kind of a good summary of the creative process when I'm writing a novel or sort of long form fiction. But yeah, it would be something along those lines. It's just kind of taking something that, I, that exists in an abstract form in my mind and then kind of making it um, something that other people can enjoy. Hmm. And, well, aside from kind of getting out into nature and and uh, getting out and, and taking a deep breath and taking a run, do you have any um, creative muses at the moment? Not, I probably do, um, but maybe ones that are just kind of operating deep in the background that I might not be uh, completely aware of. Um, so, I mean, the, the the series that I am most well known for is the Milton books. Um, that would be the kind of the big inspiration for that is the Equalizer, and that's that's not the Denzel Washington film, although I don't think that's terrible. <laughs> um, it's the it's the Edward Woodward um, I think NBC show from the eighties. Um, mm, I remember. Which I, that. Yeah, man, it's great, and it's still. I, I mean, I saw it the other day, and I, I watch it occasionally just to kind of refresh the creative well, and and it pulls up quite well. It's really, um, it's gritty, and you know, got a really great Stuart Copeland theme song and all that kind of stuff. So it's, it holds up pretty well. So there'll be that. Um, I love thing. I love Tarantino. Um, so um, my Beatrix Rose series, which is the one that Amazon um, purchased, uh, spin off from the Milton books. That is is pretty. Um, I'm, I'm not ashamed to say that is that's inspired very much by Kill Bill. <laughs> um, you know, I love I love those two films, especially the first one. So that's slightly more high octane than the Milton books. Um, a lot of action, whereas Milton's a little bit more kind of contemplative. Um, Rose tends to you know doesn't really think about things; she just kind of blows shit up basically. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, so those I, mean, I go back to those again and again um, and music too and I'm, I, I listen to a lot of Nine Inch Nails when I'm writing uh, I think Trent Reznor is a genius so uh, that would be something that I, is a touchstone for me yeah. um, and, and especially fil- the stuff he does for film Girl with a Dragon Tattoo and uh, the, the social networks those, those kinds of um, scores are, are very evocative for me um, and other film music so um Trying to think what else I've, I've been listening to. Things like Daft Punk. I quite like the the Tron soundtrack I was listening to today, hmm. and yeah. and stuff. You know, I can write some I can write some music with lyrics. So I'll listen to a bit of Foo Fighters, maybe um, heavier stuff usually, um, um, or, or just kind of white noise or classical music. I usually have something going on. I don't I don't write in silence, um, and I'll I'll be kind of riffing off that that kind of stuff all the time. Nice, nice. Yeah, I did kind of skip over that question because you mentioned. The white noise, but that's good to know. I'm, I am also a huge fan of Trent Reznor's film soundtracks and that social network soundtrack I can listen to over and over again mm-hmm. uh, as kind of background. So that's cool to know. So what do you think, um, in your opinion, makes a writer great? Well, yeah, that's, I think I've kind of, that, that, my answer to that would change over time. So when I, when I was originally um, published back way back when in you know, 2000, um, I was desperate to be Martin Amis or desperate to be um, Will Self, who may not be quite as well-known in the States as he is over here, but he's kind of a bit like Martin Amis. So writing those kind of really perfect sentences that fizzed amazing language. You know, I wanted to, I wanted to win awards and, be, and for people to go, like, I can't believe how, uh, you know, how great a writer you are. So, but then over, over time, I, I, I kind of, uh, the agent I was with at the time had a writer called Matthew Reed, who um, is an Australian guy, writes kind of Custler type thrillers. 
And I wasn't selling a huge amount of those those first two books. But I hardly sold any. Um, and so I thought, what I'm going to do now, in I'm going to take a couple of months and I'm going to write a book just like Matthew Riley. Um, yeah, Matthew Riley, not Matthew Reed. Because I thought this guy is he's a bit of a hack. Um, his sentences aren't great. They don't. It's not you know it's not impressive writing. But the thing I took away from that is I com- I was a complete idiot and underestimated how difficult it is to write propulsive page-turning fiction that you can't put down. Hmm. Um, and that is, he can do that. He, he can do that in spades. And that's why he sells, he was selling, you know, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of copies of books, maybe. Um, and, and these days, um, that is what I, I aspire to do. So my, my kind of publishing company is called Unputdownable Limited. And that's <laughs> one of the things I, I love most of all. And this happens, the first time it happened, I couldn't really believe it. But I started getting more and more emails from readers who said, um, you know, you are a bastard, Mark, because I started to read this book at half 12 at night for, you know, half an hour. And then I put it down at four in the morning and I've got to go to work the next day. So that is <laughs> super high praise. And, you know, these days, that's a really long way of answering the question. But my kind of what is a you know a great writer now is is someone who can present um, a story to a reader in such a fashion that they they can just completely lose themselves in the narrative. Um it's something that I'm I'm getting better at doing. I think I've got you know much more work to do, but that that for me is what I aim for most of the time these days. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Earlier in the show, I mentioned an invaluable resource for writers: "Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow," a DIY manual for the construction of stories based on three decades of writing, failing, and trying again. Author Steve Almond is a beloved professor at Harvard and Wesleyan, and the acclaimed New York Times bestseller of twelve books of fiction and nonfiction. And in Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow, Steve employs the radical empathy he displayed as a co-host of the Dear Sugars podcast with Cheryl Strayed, where they explored the joys and trials of storytelling to explode myths that hold us back from writing our deepest and truest work. The book includes chapters on plot, character, and chronology, but travels far beyond the earnest intentions of most craft books. It also includes writing prompts to generate new work. Pulitzer Prize-winning author Richard Russo called it one of the best books on writing he's ever read, and also the funniest. Pick up a copy of Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow, a DIY manual for the construction of stories wherever you buy books and add it to your TBR today. And just a quick aside to revisit the exclusive Writer Files Patreon community where subscribers get access to uncut ad-free interviews, a writer's happy hour, bonus breakdowns, and a lot more. I know that for serious writers, it can be more distracting than ever to cut through the noise, stay productive, and home in on what's happening in the publishing industry. Over eight years, we've provided a looking glass into the habits of professional writers and publishing industry insiders. And as your humble host, I've decided to launch a membership-based Patreon for serious scribes to cut through the noise, swap tips and tricks, and hang out with like-minded peers. Just head over to patreon.com slash the writer files for bonus writing resources, monthly episode breakdowns, writer's happy hour, a community of your peers, ad-free episodes, and more. It's free to join to get a preview and you can upgrade anytime. That's patreon.com slash the writer files. Help us start something cool and special. Keep calm and write on. So do you have a couple um, go-to authors that, you, that you're reading presently or any favorites you want to mention? I tend when I'm writing, I tend to um, read nonfiction most of the time because I I'm slightly hesitant, and this is not such a big problem as it was when I started writing. But I'm slightly hesitant to read other um, writers, especially ones with strong authorial voices, because um, it's quite easy. Most writers can be quite like magpies, and it's easy to 
um, <laughs> be influenced by someone else's style. Um, I think once you've got maybe a couple of million words um, under your belt, it's I'm more confident in my voice now and, and and how I structure sentences and paragraphs and the white space and all all that kind of stuff. I'm more confident in in, in myself and my ability to do that. But um, I I was certainly reluctant to do that in the early days, but. Yeah, so I, I, I'll, I'll read a lot of nonfiction depending on what I'm researching. So um, I don't think what I'm reading right now, because actually I'm not reading too much right now because the, the, the Milton book I'm writing is set mm. um, near, near to where I am at the moment. Um, so I know most of the stuff. I don't have to do too much. A bit of nonfiction, there was, um, you, I, I doubt you've heard about this, but there was uh, a district in London called Hatton Garden, which is where uh, the jewel district, the jewelry district, and diamonds and stuff. Mm-hmm. There's a really well-known uh, in this country um, jewel heist about six months ago, hmm. where they broke into a safety deposit vault and um, kind of drilled through the walls and all that kind of stuff. So that that forms, or my take on that forms, a central uh, the central crux of the Milton book that I'm doing now. So I've been reading a lot of journalism on on that case, which is in court at the moment. But I mean, apart from that, I, I'll kind of authors I will read uh, Doug Copeland I love um, read a lot of, mm. of, of his work Lee Child I think is is um, very very impressive writer in, in that kind of you know you can't put it down category perhaps not quite at, at his best at the moment the last couple of Reacher books maybe not quite as good as the as the ones before but still a, a completely you know, eminently readable um, and impressive writer um, I think other kind of indie writers. I'm a big fan of Russell Blake, um, who um, he and I are kind of hanging out in the around about the same level. He's, he writes a series called Jet, which is is great fun. Hugh Howie, um, big fan of Hugh Howie, The Martian. I love. You know, there's there's so much good stuff these days, mm-hmm. and and coming from all different angles, so not necessarily you know traditionally published. Um, some absolutely amazing indie writers coming out of left field with. Fantastic new ideas, different ways to tell stories. Yeah, just a really, it's a great time to be a writer and a reader at the moment. Well put. Do you have a best loved quote kind of hanging over your desk somewhere? I don't, but one I like, I'm going to butcher this, but it's Stephen King, who's got like an awful lot of quotes of this kind of, um, oh, Elmore Leonard, there's another great writer I love. Anyway, Stephen King um, says something like, if you need to, if you need to look the word up in a thesaurus or a dictionary, it's the wrong word, and there are no exceptions to this rule, which is is absolutely um, spot on. And mm-hmm. the other one, thinking of Elmore, um, uh, don't write the bits that readers skip or mm-hmm. cut the bits that readers skip. That's really, really strong advice. Mm-hmm. Kind of, you know, his take on "Kill Your Darlings." Um, you know, if if you're not into reading, if you don't you don't want to you don't want anything to slow the narrative down. So if if there's a, if there's a bit where um, readers slow up or they stop reading they put the book down at that point then you need to that needs to go you need to you know cut that bit out even if it's got your best sentences uh, the, you know, the paragraph that you're most proud of if it's not serving the purpose of getting readers to turn the pages then it shouldn't be in the book um, and so that has to come out so any any kind of variations on those quotes are, are ones that I would I'd, I'd be subscribing to As I reminded you at the top of the show, copyblogger.com is best known for rock-solid content strategy and writing advice. But did you know they also certify content marketers? If you have a great writing voice and are willing to learn rock-solid content strategy, check out the opportunity to get Copyblogger certified as a content marketer. Just head over to rainmaker.fm slash certification and be sure to head over there soon because the enrollment period opens in mid-september 2018 that's rainmaker.fm slash certification
I don't want to keep you too long, but I have a feeling I know the answer to this one too. Paper or ebook? Yeah, probably ebook. Um, and but not exclusively. And I was slow to I was slow to make the change. So I was pretty late to see in seeing the potential of the Kindle. Because I was always my thing with books is I love it's not so much the feeling of them, although that's amazing. It's the smell of them. I love the smell of bookshops and and you know, I love a a fresh book where you can crack the spine and then and then smell it. That's such an evocative um, sensation that takes me back to to reading. I, I read so much when I was a kid. Uh, it just takes me back really, really easily to to being a child again, reading books. Um, so I was probably like three years kind of late to the party when it came to Kindles. And I was one of those kind of Luddites who were, you know, this you can't read like this. It's not good. It's, it's not the same thing. It's bad on the eyes. All that kind of stuff that is... is you know, we know that now is patently not true. <laughs> and I, I am converted now. So, you know, we went to Tenerife not too long ago for a, a family break. And six years ago, I would have had 12 books in my suitcase and my, I would have had to pay extra on the luggage with the flight and everything. Whereas, of course, these days you can have, you know, 600 books on your, on your you know, basic level Kindle. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, never and just, you know, slip in your pocket, which is, is fabulous. So, yeah, I, I, I'm kind of more ebook now but there's there'll always be a, a place um on my shelf for, for proper books normal books <laughs> another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check planning for what's next and how to save for it that's where bank of america can help for your financial to-dos bank of america has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals get started at one of our local financial centers or 24 7 in our mobile banking app Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, I have a feeling that Amazon would take your suggestion if you if you offered to consult on a uh, an odor that would be emitted by the the Kindle itself <laughs> yeah. as you crack the uh, spine of the ebook. I think we should probably patent that. That's because uh, <laughs> okay. a lot of money to be made there. I'll cut that out, and we'll talk later. <laughs> um, so, do you have a favorite literary character of all time? James Bond, maybe, um, or Sherlock Holmes. Probably Sherlock Holmes, I'd say. I mean, I, I loved those books when I was when I was growing up. Um, or you know, or you, you could pick like any one of Dickens's characters. Yeah, it would be it would be certainly not a kind of contemporary fictional character. It would be some someone from like the eighteen nineties or you know, <laughs> or, or Bond. You know, that the kind of proper Bond. The, although you, although saying that, reading him these days, reading Fleming these days, you realise. What a misogynist he was, and and not a not a particularly nice guy. And Bond Bond two is is not the not really a role model, um, but just a you know very um, iconic character that is is quite difficult to get away from. So, if you could choose an author from any era to do an all expense paid dinner, hang out your favorite spot, who would you choose, and where do you think you'd take them? Dickens, probably. I'm pretty sure because you know just looking at um, kind of what he did in terms of 
different ways of, of obviously he wasn't a forerunner, but kind of a really popular writer during his day with kind of um, serializing fiction and all that kind of stuff. I love the mm-hmm. idea of that writing, kind of um, breaking a, a novel down into into bits. Um, although, kind of as an aside, um, I tried that with um, the most recent book that I published, a book called The Angel, and it's the first book I've ever written with a cliffhanger. I will mm-hmm. never, never do that again. Um, <laughs> I have, I've got, I don't get bad reviews generally. I get some, obviously, everyone does. But uh, this one is really dividing the readership, um, and mm-hmm. I'm getting a lot of bad reviews. One star review saying, you know, basically saying, you ripped me off. This isn't a book. Um, you know, despite the fact that it's pretty obvious in the in the blurb that it's Act One, it's not it's not intended to be a, a kind of self contained story. So I'll, I'll never do that again. Um, <laughs> so maybe maybe what I'd do is we could we could go out and have have dinner somewhere, um, and Charles could tell me um, some some tips as to how I could keep my keep my readers on tenterhooks, but not piss them off too much. <laughs> I'd like to be a fly on the wall for that one. <laughs> do you have any writers fetishes uh, like a? classic uh, first editions or weird collections of any type? Not really. Um, I do, uh, when I started writing again, because uh, I took like a, as I said, a six or seven year break between my traditionally published books and then getting back into the saddle again, um, I collected obsessively um, kind of, because uh, the books I was writing, the, the Blackwell is the book that I kind of got back, came back with, and that's set in, in London in like late, well, during the Blitz and just after it, so um, for about two years, I didn't read anything that was outside of that period. So I got lots of kind of contemporary fiction. So people like Patrick Hamilton, Graham Greene, those kinds of guys. Um, and I was very keen to to get um, as near you know first editions if I could find them at a reasonable price. And I, I'd, I'd get those kinds of books um, and and nonfiction too. So I mean, I used to scour Amazon anything that. Um, would be um, or eBay, in fact, any, anything that was from that period that had authentic language that I could use, because uh, I wanted everything to be just so, and mm-hmm. you know, even to the extent that I'd, I'd go to newspaper archives and check whether, if I was saying that it was raining on the first of December, nineteen forty-two, um, I, I wanted to be sure that it was raining, and that's that's ridiculous. I don't recommend that for anybody. <laughs> it takes it takes an enormous amount of time to to get that kind of stuff <laughs> right, and no one cares. Um, so. Yeah, that's 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 pretty um, nutty to do that, but yeah, I, I, I've got a. I'm just looking at it now. So I've got a kind of a big shelf here of, of stuff from seven to eighty years ago. We're you know, kind of quite hard to find books. Some of them that can be quite expensive to get, mm. but they they really helped me make that book um, as authentic as as I could possibly make it. Very cool. So. Do you have any advice to your fellow writers on how to keep the ink flowing and the cursor moving? Um, yeah, I mean, I get I get that quite a lot these days. So, I mean, um, I, people, you know, new writers contact me quite a lot to say, hey, "What what should I do?" Um, and the best advice is is just just do it, just write. Um, you know, you, you you have to if you when you're starting out. I've got as everyone everyone does. I've got a, a drawer full of um, half finished novels and novellas that were, weren't weren't finished for the simple reason that they were dreadful and they'll never come out of the drawer again but they did serve a purpose and that they enabled me to exercise my muscles my writing muscles and start to develop my voice be confident in my writing so if you're if you're starting out then the best advice is is no good saying i'd love to be a writer because uh, that is not going to pay the bills you've just got to sit down and write and even if that means you know, I get out of bed sometimes and I don't feel great um, or I don't really know what I want to write that day, but I will always sit down and I will always make sure that I actually 
do 500 words, which is not a huge amount when, when you actually sit down and think about it. As long as I've got something in the bank, then that day I have, I have written, and that is, that's not a bad day, provided that I've managed to do that. Mm. Um, but I do get, it, it, you know, if, if I kind of prevaricate or procrastinate a bit too much and I'm not doing any writing, then that's when I start to get uh, antsy and irritated. Um, so, yeah, best advice is if you want to be a writer, you've got to prove it yourself and sit down and write. Fantastic. So uh, where can fellow scribes connect with you out there? Yeah, the, the best place, two places really. Um, there's um, markjdawson.com is, is where you can go to find out about my fiction. So I've got a kind of a, a, a infrequently updated blog there um, and with all the links to the books are there and there's um, free books that people can get if they want to sign up to my mailing list. Um, and for kind of marketing advice and uh, courses and stuff, I do a little bit of that these days and uh, I've got a site at selfpublishingformula.com uh, that people can get to. There's a Facebook course and a Twitter course um, for advertising and stuff like that um, that you can, you can find me there too. Yeah, absolutely. All very, very useful stuff. Thank you so much for taking time out of your schedule. I had one final question for you about, uh, um, I, I understand that recently one of your um, books was optioned. Mm. Do you have any, any desire to do screenwriting or kind of get into the, uh, the actual adaptation of any of your work yourself? I did that once. Um, my first book was optioned by a, a, a producer over here and I did, I did adapt it. Um, and it was okay, um, but I would say that writing a novel and writing a screenplay is a very different thing. Um, they're, they're two almost two different disciplines. Um, you know, you, you don't have quite as much space to stretch your legs for description, but you've got to focus more on the dialogue, which is fine because I love doing dialogue. That's 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 one of the things that I another good tip. If you're if you're stuck and you don't know what to write, just write a conversation. Uh, have a couple of characters and just have them riff and see where it goes. So. Um, yeah, I would be interested in, in doing that, but at the same time, I mean, the producer who optioned—I can't say who it is, unfortunately—but the producer who optioned it is like super, super well known with a really, really big series behind them. Um, and I would kind of feel slightly out of place if I said if I was to insist that I did the first draft of the screenplay. I think they would probably tell me where to go with, with justification <laughs> because that's not my, that's not my thing. I, I haven't proven myself yeah. in that field yet. But if they asked me to, they said, look, would you, would you mind having a first pass at it? I'd be all over that. I'd love to try it. Um, but yeah, one day, maybe one day, I mean, I've got enough uh, fiction ideas to keep me going for the next uh, couple of years. So I'll probably uh, concentrate on that for now. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule. I really appreciate you uh, giving us some words of wisdom on the writer files. My pleasure. Thanks so much for joining me for this half of a tour through the writer's process. If you enjoy the Writer Files podcast, please subscribe to the show and leave us a rating or a review on iTunes to help other writers find us. For more episodes or to just leave a comment or a question, you can drop by writerfiles.fm. And you can always chat with me on Twitter at Kelton Reed. Cheers. Talk to you next week. Mm-hmm.